this is Network Zero episode. This is actually only episode three, weirdly, <laughs> after a very, very long hiatus. That really was unfortunate. Um, so we're just kind of rebooting in a nice, fresh manner um, to get things started again. Uh, starting with something that's fairly nice and new to talk about. Uh, and I am joined by regular hosts, Sam. Hello. And by James. Howdy. Um, so we're going to talk about changing, Changeling the Lost, uh, because it had a second edition Kickstarter recently, uh, and backers are getting their little um, questionnaire things for it. Uh, and rather than going into in-depth about the rules and everything, because that, we we did all of that on Darker Days Radio when we uh, interviewed uh, Megan Fitzgerald about the development of the game, we're going to talk more about why we like Changeling the Lost as a game, because this is, of course, Network Zero, so it's more Chronicles of Darkness focused. Uh, before we get into that, um, do the typical thing. What have people been up to that is horror gaming related? James, what have you been up to? Well, I've been playing Evil Within 2. Uh, I picked it up okay. over Christmas in the sales. Um, it's got some... It's kind of weird it reminds me a little bit of uh how much is how much is spoilery um there's there's some creepy stuff in it and i've quite enjoyed it i've been playing it on easy mode so it's not as scary as it probably could be but the unsettling bits do manage to still be quite unsettling so that's great okay i'll have to check that out and uh so is it survival horror um yeah yeah it's like it it's from i think one of the original creators of resident evil um, uh, okay. It's an open world or kind of open world horror game. Um, and yes, I, I suppose survival horror works quite nicely. I've also been playing Subnautica, which is a real uh, sandbox survival game um, set underwater and being gribbled by horrible fish, which has scared the so and so out of me. Yes, because you don't like the open water, do you? No, no, yeah. and there's lots of lots of unpleasant things in that. Okay, cool. Uh, Sam, horror related media that you've been um, interested in, or gaming wise? We haven't really done well, any gaming. We haven't done any gaming, but uh, we've, you know, as usual, like watched a glut of movies over the Christmas period and uh, rewatched some movies too. So, uh, one of the latest uh, Hammer Horror movies in its sort of revival is Wakewood. Mm. And that's a really excellent uh, folk horror style uh, thing. It's um, I'm a big Hammer fan anyway. I think with the stuff that they've come out more recently, it's it's been a little bit hit and miss. Yeah. But that's probably the best one that I've seen. And I think um, it's a little hard to explain, isn't it? It's, it's, it's about like kind of uh, death and rebirth and, um, you know, about sort of... Uh, you know, little village occult goings on and, you know, to, to say more would probably spoil it quite a lot. I think it's really something that you have to watch, but it's a great little film and yeah, it's just definitely worth watching and, and very creepy as well. Folk horror is so hot right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Spall is in it. Yeah. He's very good in it. Um, yeah. What other interesting We watched, films? finally, we watched the remake of It, of yes. Stephen King's It, oh, and great. we were very impressed by it i expected to be impressed because i heard from my friends who had seen it and they really loved it i think we should 
keep that for discussion later because I think it fits the topic quite yes, well. Yes, it does. But yeah, just to say that we we did really enjoy it and it was fantastic and meet, it met expectations, really. Um, anything else that we've been watching? Um, we need to watch more of Hard Sun. That's more modern dystopian kind of feel. Yeah, like it, but, sci-fi. But I think that could fit it's with... A, it's a pre-apocalyptic BBC series with uh, uh, Agnes Dane in it. I think... Um, that could fit well with the Gob Machine Chronicles, even. Yeah. Uh, we've also been watching Britannia. Oh, yeah. Which is fantastic and has uh, a great fantasy element in it for, for being a sort of... Um, I suppose, well, it's, it's a historical-based series about the Roman invasion of Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, sort of the war between the Romans and the Celts. Um, but also introduces like the druids into it and you know they they do some real like their, their own kind of folk magic and things like that and it so it gets a little bit surreal at points and that you know yeah there's a definite like horror fantasy element as well as the just you know uh battles and and things like that and it's it's quite character driven as well it's uh it's just pretty excellent really i think i think they've kind of hit the nail on the head with with that yeah yeah um, we're not really fans of Game of Thrones, so um, I, I think to say it's better than Game of Thrones is a bit biased coming from us, um, but uh, I will still say it's better than Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then what have I been doing gaming-wise? Uh, let's think. Tons of Guildball recently. Finished off a Guildball uh, 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 league. That's been great fun. Um, I've lost every single game I've played in it, except for one. Uh, because the point scoring system isn't about winning games, it's about doing hidden agendas in the game. But that's that's been good fun. Uh, and then uh, let's think. Uh, I've got a copy of Necromunda I've yet to play any of. The miniatures are awesome. It's great to have Necromunda back. Uh, and kind of interesting where Warhammer Age of Sigmar's going. It's finally, I think, finding its feet with this malign portents. And I'm, I'm getting the hots for... Uh, either undead or their new witch elf range because it's got kind of serpent bodies on the women they kind of look like medusa from the um clash of the titans film yes um so i think that's really a cool new design element in there um and then i think people are asking me to run something role play wise and i'm really stuck between lots of things so i think what i'm going to do is either i do a sequel to the geist stalkers game we did with the euro trash i say euro trash i love europe i don't i mean it in the the we're british people here we're gonna do crap european accents when we try to play europeans that are like mine's not that bad since well I'm yeah part polish so so <laughs> but the point is that we're playing like a uh diverse group of european um ghost hunters and we've done what did the one story which is using the terrible tale of james magnus with a few updates to make it feel a bit more kind of retro wave horror um but i think i want to do another one which is set in paris because i've got all my research and, and stuff i did for geist so it'd be a good way of getting started there because there's people ask me chris you're gonna run something and it's like oh, i guess i can i've got stuff ready um and then like i said with britannia is great because i mean i think it's inspired me for do i run a one shot based on requiem for rome yeah i like that idea that would be kind of cool uh and yeah, lots of options um, to think about there. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of gaming-wise. Oh, I finished Batman Arkham Knight 
I quite enjoyed it. I like the Batmobile. I like it. It does everything. It's not the best in plot wise compared to the one preceding it, but you do. You didn't f- like all the Riddler stuff. Riddler's a dick in it, <laughs> but you know, there's something quite great about you know you jump off a building, you have the Batmobile autom- automated come along, you land in it, you shoot off at high speed, chase down a vehicle, take it out interrogate the guy, get back in the Batmobile, high-speed chase to somewhere else, and then get launched out of it and glide into a building and take out the people who are keeping like some uh, fireman like, you know, as hostage. You feel like Batman from the films, like, fully. Yeah. Like, there's still all the investigative stuff, which I, I don't feel is as much as a challenge as, like, some of the stuff, how it could have been, but it feels right. And some of the elements in it are quite horrific. Like, Scarecrow is still fantastic as a villain. So, um, that's where it well. Um, I think I would say, I mean, I'm not really an active gamer. You know, I, I kind of just watch the pretty sights of it. Just yeah. sort of backseat gaming. But, um, yeah, visually, I think Gotham looked outstanding. Like, yeah. you know, they couldn't have done that better. Like, it, it basically made you want to just drive around and around and around to, to see the, the You city. spend quite a lot of time driving around and around and around to get yeah, regular fucking what it was, trophies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's basically, I think, everything um, currently uh, gaming-wise going on uh, and things coming up. Um, so we'll do uh, a little move over, just briefly talk about what's uh, new... Uh, news-wise from Onyx Path and, and other gaming interesting things that we know of. So, um, news-wise, uh, the, the first big one is that Onyx Path has got a new horror game that they're... Uh, that they're teaming up with Eskaton uh, Media called, and the game's called Dystopia Rising Evolution. So it's a it's a zombie horror game. So Eddie Webb is going to be developer on it, and of course I spoke to Eddie and Matt Dawkins and Dave Brookshaw at the um, Dragon Meet in London in December, which was good fun. So go to the Dark Days Radio episode for that. Uh, so dystopia dystopia rising is a is set as a post zombie apocalypse world where characters fight to survive in horrific conditions uh it was created in 2009 it's enjoyed a cult following uh, of the players who immerse themselves in the live action horror scenarios uh every weekend uh dystopia rising players reside in survivor settlements to step away from the modern world and into a unique post apocalyptic experience so the point is, this starts off as a LARP event and is now mm-hmm. going to have a tabletop RP, a, a, a good tabletop RPG game developed to the standards that we see on its path publishing do. And having done now some LARP, I can see the and, and knowing some classic cases of LARP, uh, one of which was called um, System Denmark, I can really see like having set up a very simple event where you've got your kind of shanty town of people as survivors. And and playing with that, and there are, there doesn't have to be any any actual zombies there. Just the very feeling of it's the end of the world. Um, yeah, because I think I think there's horror in that without and feeling isolated and you know feeling like you you can't go out because of the danger. You don't even have to feature the zombies at all. Like you never you never see the zombies. They're just you know they're out there. 
much like in Unhallowed Metropolis. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then obviously from Onyx Path, there's been quite a few releases. Uh, so there's Half Damned for Vampire the Requiem, which is about playing vampires. Uh, there was more recently um, the book, which was uh, A Thousand Years a Night, which is the Elder's book for Vampire the Requiem. Uh, there was the Change and Loss Kickstarter, which obviously did gangbusters and did really well, and uh, I'm waiting for that. Um, of course, Geist is in development. There's a few new books also for Mummy the Curse, Mage the Ascension, uh, oh, sorry, Mage the Awakening, um, and uh, I think there was something new out for, let me just check. Uh, no, I think that's mainly most of all the, the, the Chronicles of Darkness releases that I can think of. Uh, yeah, Thousand Years of Night, Huntsman Anthology, which is some short stories for Changing the Lost. Um, and, of course, the thing that I'm looking forward to this year will be Deviant the Renegades, which is by Dave Brookshaw, who's developing that. And, of course, the Contagion Chronicle for Chronicles of Darkness, which is the big crossover chronicle. So expect us to talk a lot about that on this show. Uh, other interesting news, obviously, because me and James, you know, we talk about Kingdom Death on here. Um, so, uh, there is a, um, the, the new videos are out for Kingdom Death that I did with Beast of War. Uh, I'll be going back to do some more because we've got the 1.5 upgrade box there. Woo! And the Dung Beetle Knight upgrade, uh, expansion kit. So we're going to play that on those videos soon enough. Um, and that's about it, really. Anything that stands out in that, James? Or Sam? Um, I don't know. I was looking at something on the list that you didn't mention. So. Oh, that's because it's for Mage the Ascension. They're I know, doing I know, Victorian I know. Age Mage the Ascension. Yeah, I just wanted that to say cool. I'm interested in that. That's yeah, all. Victorian Age stuff is good. Well, there is a Victorian Age book for Changeling the Lost, actually, to remember. Yeah. So that's always good. Um, yes, James? Uh, Dung Beetle Knight upgrade kit sounds interesting. Well, expansion kit. So we've got the expansion kit at ah, the right. okay, Beast cool. War HQ. So, so because of course we're going to start running out of new monsters to showcase on the videos. So, what better monster to have than the one that's really good fun to play against and looks kind of um, looks kind of cool? Uh, I think that's it really for news and, and things going on. Um, so we should. Head over to the next main segment and talk about Changeling the Lost. So, um, I need to explain Changeling the Lost to people that are possibly into Chronicles of Darkness and other new viewers, uh, listeners, sorry. Uh, so Changeling Lost, you play uh, changelings, people who were taken away by the Fae into the realm of Arcadia. You were t changed and turned into either some creature or item or thing that was useful to that Fae uh, lord or lady. And then you kind of almost lost your memory of who you were. And then something kind of reignites that memory of, of your life as a human before you were taken. And you escape. You escape and you run through the hedge. Uh, your soul in your time that you've been away has been torn apart and refashioned. Uh, and bits of your soul is left upon the, the thorns of the hedge. And when you get back to the mortal realm, the, the thing that replaces your soul is, is part of the, the, the Arcadia of the weird, the hedge itself. So you are 
now obviously tainted by this strange magics. Um, and of course, while you've been away, time flows differently. So you may have only experienced a few weeks, maybe even a few hours in Arcadia, but time may have flowed very quickly and years could have gone by. Or alternatively, you could have felt like you've been there for years, decades even. And you were gone for like a day. A day, yeah, exactly. And of course, the gentry, the Fae, um, leave behind to help with their kidnapping of you, uh, a fetch, something they fashion from detritus about you, debris, refuge, whatever, you know, rubbish, whatever, to look like you, to act in your place. Uh, and they, in their own right, have some magic related to them, but they carry on the life, um, they carry on your life in your place. And the changelings, as they come into the mortal realm, obviously want to remain hidden from their their uh, their previous captors. Uh, and there are other things in the world. There are hobgoblins that exist in the hedge. There are uh, the huntsmen, who are a new thing in Changeling Lost Second Edition, who are who act on behalf of the the gentry. So they go out and hunt for changelings. And of course, there are different factions of changelings. So there are those that want to return to to their to the uh, to the gentry. There are those that want to sacrifice other changelings on their behalf and send them off to to keep the, the Fae away from them. Uh, and then the, there are those that want to burn all the bridges or destroy all the gateways to Arcadia to separate the worlds. It's a pretty creepy game. It is obviously a game about post-traumatic stress in some respects and dealing with what happens when you come back changed by your experiences. Uh, it has obviously folklore elements to it and... Um, fae elements to it that we see from fairy tales and so forth and about words being used to trap you in 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 uh into pacts and covenants so that you you have your words used against you and and so forth uh so i've said a lot so far so sam mm -hmm. what is it about changeling the lost that you that draws you to it and what you like about it well, I think with what you've suggested so far is that it's it's quite um, you know deep in its metaphors uh, with you know metaphors for abuse um, and sort of uh, trying to recover from that abuse you know and uh, it's really about sort of a feeling of displacement and um, you know depersonalization. And, you know, all the sort of many side effects and uh, symptoms of PTSD. Um, so there's it's a very personal horror. Um, even when you take out all the fantasy elements, it's still a very deep personal horror. And I think that's the main thing about it is that, you know, you can look at it on the surface and be like, oh, it's about like the Fae. It's about, you know, what, what to some people would be like uh, fairies and tricksters. But um, so so I think uh, if you look at it that way, it could seem like it's quite a light game, but it's actually one of the darkest games that White Wolf have produced. Yeah, it's definitely one of the darkest ones there is. I think it compares in a different way to, say, Vampire the Requiem. Vampire the Requiem, I think, gives you quite a lot of the archetypes of what vampirism is, and there's a very gothic kind of um, story where you're, you you're accepting your loss almost. I mm -hmm. think I think vampire is about accepting your loss and and trying to hang on to some remnant of your humanity. I think changeling is very much about trying to reconcile that you have come back different. Mm -hmm. uh, 
there's and something one. very different in the balance of power as well where vampire you know you've turned into a vampire but really that's kind of empowered you in a way yes it has yeah and has yeah whereas um changing's like the opposite yeah. yeah you are you are constantly worrying that there is something i mean not only has this horrible thing happened to you you're always constantly on the lookout for them coming back um and it's something mm-hmm. that's gonna that you know it's changed the rest of your life and that is yeah like as you say like that's that's more horrific as a vampire you are the horror whereas in changeling you know the horror is the things coming for you and there's and that's the that's the danger in changeling it's like your um your return you know you you feel like you may want to reintegrate with the life that was mm-hmm. that you were stolen from but that in turn brings danger to the people you care about so you have to reconcile that is that selfish of you to go back to your life and, and claim it back or do you have to make for yourself a new life um i think that's a very big question in changing the lost i think personally you know i mean very personally i would also relate that kind of feeling to um um, i suffer from chronic illness and you know when when that kind of happens to you or for example if you uh suffer from a disability um that that you haven't lived with your entire life you know you spend a lot of time trying to reconcile that and thinking you know is it my fault that this has happened to me did i live my life correctly before this happened is there anything I could have done? And what do I do now? Do I try and grasp back that life that I had before? Or do I try and do the best with what I have now? And it's like a constant battle inside your head, because it's really hard to not be angry that the life you had before was taken away from you. And now you don't really know who you are in comparison. So yeah, without going into things that are personal for me too much, that's what I would say it reminds Mm. me of. And there is a very sort of deep horror within that and not really knowing who you are as a person or how to live your life from now on. Hmm. Um, and that, I think there's, there's, there's different, how that taps into you as a changeling is quite interesting because obviously changelings come back with these new powers and abilities. And the question is how much of that do you reveal and how much of that do you, do you make use of? Because, and that taps into the, also the fact there are groups that want to separate themselves from uh from from their changeling magic and there are those that want to like almost take hold of it as their own and and utilize it and it's almost like if you're gonna if you're gonna make a new life do you do you make use of this thing that you've become and accept what you've become and that's where in the new edition they've changed how clarity works so clarity used to be that morality rating Mm -hmm. Um, much like in uh, much like in all the other first edition Chronicles of Darkness, whereas in the new one, it doesn't act like how humanity works in Vampire. It works as a, like a health bar because it's about how your sense of self and your sense of what is real rubs up against how other people are defining reality around you. So. It's it's all again. It fits into that idea that your sanity is can be eroded, but it is something you can you can rebuild and regenerate and and redefine. Um, so you know you you're going to be impacted when you learn like very shocking 
revelations about your life both before you were taken and after you were taken so like if you learn that say if you were taken as a changeling and you came back to your life and say you learned that you're actually adopted that's quite a shocking revelation that's going to shatter how you perceive yourself and what you, and how you define how you fit into the world so i think that is the big question changes about how you define how you fit into the world rather than other people around you doing that while say mage in comparison mage is about defining what reality is on a on a grand scheme it's asking a much bigger question um yeah um what other elements are changing do you like i mean there's so many different things like the creatures and the locations and the, the um the i think that and powers what's interesting is that you could i mean we've always played in venice sort of during carnival time which is very fitting for it but i think you could do a lot more with it and also you know use many different settings and do it in a completely different way and it's just you know a different way of interpreting that you know the, the different houses and you know the the hierarchy and the politics of it all so that's it's it's very complex and i think you know there were so many elements of it that even we didn't get into in our fairly complex political game we we didn't even utilize everything that was on offer um oh, in yeah. the rule book so i think that you know you you could play it once and you could play it again and utilize even like more elements of it and uh basically it's very versatile and you know you could you could plow into it for a long time and still get something new out of it each time so i think like sort of yet at the same time rules wise it's not too heavy to understand you know it's it's not like it's too much uh, very law heavy that's what i would call it yeah i mean what's your opinion james because you you played in it you you took part in a in a one shot episode with within um the chronicle that we were, that i was running um but it was a very long episode that we ran so it gave you quite a, a good opportunity to kind of interface with a lot of the setting material and the rules mm -hmm. what was your experience what did you like about the game and 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 the other elements of it um so i i quite liked being able to just get in and pick it up quite quickly um the uh, the characters felt so when i when i build characters i always build characters with i build characters with flaws and i kind of almost have a bit of an arc for like i can see my character probably being their own destruction that's just the thing that i generally do um but i felt like with with vampires and things sometimes it's difficult to kind of see like what your character's vulnerabilities are unless they're just you know they do this stupid thing and it is going to be their comeuppance eventually um, um but i think changelings you know you can kind of see where your character is because you're not this unstoppable uh unstoppable vampire you know you're you feel a little bit more vulnerable you kind of i felt like i related more to myself as a character um and also there's a lot of the a lot of things with changing you know there's i think there's a lot of kind of alienation you've come back you're in a world that isn't the same world you left and you know i think i think maybe our generation kind of like there's a little bit of resonance there you know we uh i feel like we grew up expecting the world to be this one thing with everything we got told and then you know a lot of the stuff didn't quite didn't quite happen like all you know 
the original. Yeah, we got sold the millennium and uh, and year two thousand, and things mm-hmm. going to be great beyond <laughs> it. And it's clearly the same old shit. It's just <sighs> we are yeah. moving. Yeah, I know what you mean. And that that kind of for me, you know, being in this strange world where nothing nothing really works quite how you're expecting it, and you have to be very careful. And you know, don't. Don't necessarily trust people because if someone's smiling at you and saying something nice, you know that doesn't necessarily mean that they are they're your friend. Mm. Um, and yeah, I I quite liked that. Um, and that works into. I, mean, I think this, that leads into how I think some things with the rules and that is I think um, and why Changeling has that thing of pacts and pledges because you can't trust what anyone's saying unless they pledge themselves. And, bu- and bind themselves to their words or to their actions, mm-hmm. um, which obviously I think James, you quite like the idea that you can you can play word games and trick people into promising things they never thought they promised into promised themselves to. Yeah, yeah, like, um, oh man, it's just I I like I like talking characters anyway, uh, mm. and I felt like changeling, you know, changeling. I was more in a more inclined to try and talk or it's the kind of word is binding thing you know there's it's one thing trying to trick someone into agreeing with you or like looping their own point of logic background to stab them in the back but in changeling you can do that and that's actually like you know that that's actually something that people have to worry about yeah and i think that's one thing i think i think for the second edition they've simplified the pledge rules somewhat so it's a lot easier to interface with rather than pledges were i think quite in the first edition quite difficult to build and construct so that you could use them on the fly as it were and that and that was a shame because yeah you have your contracts which are basically your vampire powers you know the kind of things that you you can pull off like you can walk up walls or disappear into shadow and stuff but the real power the real tricks of the game come come with these pledges and and Packs because you can really do some dastardly things with those and uh, and really start trapping people in you know, you can you can really just trap people to do and do certain things and that that's sometimes more powerful than doing the stuff yourself and using your own powers. Um, other things I like in the game, uh, I think there's something very primal about the horror, whereas like I think vampire is primal if you're playing one of the animalistic vampires, but I think vampires have this very much more kind of lord generally have a very kind of aloof kind of lording kind of I don't know how how would I say they seem very um elegant. Mm-hmm. They can seem elegant. Even the most horrific vampires could still see come across quite elegant because that's almost like they're trying to be a counterpoint to their horrific appearance. I think changeling that the when I say primal is that I think the the horror of the Fae really taps into that scary, especially these days given how some parents are that scary thing of like someone's going to take you away mm-hmm. and do horrible things to you. That's like that that is a that childhood fear that you're going to be stolen by something that you can't comprehend. I think is quite uh, chilling. Well, I think with not being able to comprehend it, what what you just said actually leads on to what I was going to say is one of the um, media inspirations, I think, for Changeling. Okay. Um, is that premature of me me talking about that? or No, you can go for it. I mean, it's all wrapped up in it. Um, Suspiria um, Ooh, okay. has 
a very kind of you know that the fear is as you said that you know that feels quite primal to me and something that isn't easy to comprehend right from the beginning and it just really it it kind of encompasses what that feeling would be a feeling of being watched of being hunted by something that you really don't understand you know um i feel that you know there there are so many elements in that movie um you know it's it's about witchcraft basically but you know for changeling it really fits with that element of fear and um i i think just you know everything like like the music and the visuals and stuff you know um especially the visuals with it being you know kind of overwhelming in a way and you know imagining what that would be like to feel like you're being hunted constantly and that your mind is just full of something that you don't understand and um really something I can liken to what it it's like to suffer from anxiety but in a very extreme way and sort of um uh I don't know like what do you think um you know what what you kind of feel in watching that movie because you've watched it a couple of times yeah I I, I can see what you mean because of the colors and the overwhelming kind of soundtrack because as a changeling your your senses are kind of you're tuned in to us it's almost like you're tuned in between radio channels yes yes and one of which is like the real world, and the other bit is the, the magic is the yeah. magical glamour. Like when you walk into a the classic thing in Chainsaw, it's like you say you walk into a shop, and the shopkeeper doesn't appear just as the shopkeeper; they appear as like some elf. Mm-hmm. And that's because of how your brain is is filtering the world. And when you say with Suspiria, which has the very kind of garish colours that works into that idea that you're being overwhelmed because like if it was a nor- any other like horror film i guess it would be a lot more drab colors yeah um that's an interesting idea definitely um i was going to say other weird things in changing that i like are just all the weird classic folklore things like in that you can play with like hobgoblin or just the classic monsters like fairy tale monsters mm-hmm. which i think we don't see enough of in modern media because people are maybe a bit dismissive of them because maybe they go oh leprechauns like i'm the leprechaun kind of thing but really they're quite they're not nice creatures because like normally monsters are like oh they're just gonna hunt you down they're gonna kill you gonna eat your heart they're gonna rip you apart and everything but the classic fairy tale creatures of that bind you to you've got to always put a saucer of milk out for them each night and or else they're gonna do something horrible to you like or steal your child or 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 something like that that all that rumple stilt skin kind of thing where you you're bound to doing certain things or else they they turn it around on you that creates a level of tension and paranoia that you should like to have your life continue as normal you have to do these things and if you if you make one misstep your your wonderful life will fall apart and i think that is how changeling feels like you have to as a changeling you have to to stay within this very fabricated life that you create with your within changeling society and the world around you or else one misstep and you know the gentleman and the the wild hunter on your doorstep after you um i think there's good films to tap in to get an idea of what changeling society can be like and that paranoia um um i actually have the the best thing for anyone uh, wanting to look at that and it's actually it's not a movie um and if they tried to make it into a movie they'd probably fail it's a novel called deathless 
by Catherine M. Valent, and it's really fantastic. It's based on Russian fairy tales, and I think it's better if you do have some knowledge of these fairy tales before you go in, because it is quite overwhelming with the amount of folklore, and it's not as immediately accessible as, say, a, a piece of media that, that looks at, say, you know, grim fairy tales or something like that. But it is really, really worth it. And, you know, the, the imagery is really intense and it has a lot of very curious creatures and characters in there that, you know, were really sort of, you know, imagination fuel for things like Changeling. It really does tap into that whole mm. society, as you said. So I can really recommend that. It's one of my favorite books. And uh, yeah, like I said, it you know, it, it can be quite, you know, uh, uh, intense and and deep to read and stuff you know at um at the heart of it it's kind of kind of like a romance uh but you know it's it's also you know horror and fantasy and fairy tale all wrapped into one and it's just absolutely brilliant so that would be my recommendation i was going to say for 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 like fae creatures and stuff or again to kind of like inspire you obviously Hellboy 2 with the, the Goblin Market is so obvious because mm-hmm. Goblin Markets are a feature of, of Changing the Lost just because there's such variety and again the idea of things not being as you perceive um, and with the idea of glamour masking what you look like from the real world um, and then also because obviously it's the same creator as like you know um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth again, where again you're, you've got the riddles and the 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 idea of someone being taken from the life or constructing their life and and trying to define how they fit into this world, which is kind of almost falling apart on them, uh, and their grasp on reality changing. Um, that works quite well, and again the creature design is quite crazy. You know the the thin man is it? Is it the thin man the... with the eyes? Oh, yeah, um... yeah. What that that creepy so and so, yeah, that creepy so and so, yeah. And you know there is very much a thing there, like uh, don't don't eat the food, whatever you do. Yeah, it's anything. There are rules. It, but it's, there are simple things like that, simple rules which, if you break them, you know your best laid plans fall apart. Mm. Um, I really like that, and I think you can see that in in. You know, if you hunt around for whichever city you set your game in or location and you delve into the folklore, you'll find lots of stuff like that with, with weird little things um, that work well for Changeling that can really, like, you can stylize your setting. Um, I mean, Venice was a bit of a no-brainer in some respects in the end once you work through everything. Um, ooh, uh, anything else then, James, that takes your fancy? What else did you like about or, or Sam, what other, what other things that you fancy about playing the game? I mean, I ran it, and I I just went off on pure nightmare fuel for the creatures and 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 things. I think I think I will say this that you can also because of the kind of eldritch nature of the Fey, because they're otherworldly, you can kind of tap into some elements from uh, like Lovecraftian horror because again, you go through the heads, you'll find somewhere quite otherworldly. That I think works with that and the weird kind of monstrosities you could have. So but, I was I mean mentioning yeah, monstrosities and things through the hedge. Um I was gonna give people maybe a video game reference for this, which weirdly is blood porn. 
if you look if you look at that now i know bloodborne's a game about hunters hunting werewolves generally i have um, a friend who's really into it so i know what you mean yeah there's <laughs> there's this strange kind of cause there's a lot of kind of cosmic horror there but they're entities that people have tried to uh people have tried to co-opt that power and tried to understand this thing that is really unknowable and that's like trying to use the 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 magic of the um uh of the oh arcadia yeah like it's trying to use that magic and trying to um like it ruins people and people turn into strange twisted aberrations and um but yes yeah like there's there's this there's a lot of weird rules people losing uh losing things lots trying to understand the unknowable um I feel like I've fallen off my point, hmm. but yes, I think there's definitely something, uh, something in there worth um, looking at. I think the other thing I like about Changeling is it has quite a big feature about, and I think this taps back into the Goblin market. I like how it has quite a feature of of trinkets and items and generally dinguses, we'll call them. You know, there's something cool about items, like and you know, D and D is D and D can turn into a shopping game basically. Oh, we're at the shop. We're at the store. We're going to buy a weapon. We're going to buy a ring of plus one this and plus one that, and and a cloak of, you know, washing your car or whatever. Um, but the point is, the point I'm getting at is that changeling, because changeling is about things not as they appear. Things can have other have other implications. Like yes, this is a nail, but because it it rested, or it rested in Arcadia or something, it it takes on. A new meaning, a new power. Um, I really kind of like how you can have those items doing weird things, like and ha- and gain kind of supernatural abilities because of their tie to the the hedge. Um, I don't know. There's something. There's something just that seems just plainly quite weird that you can you can play with there. So, um, and that ties into something new they've brought into Change in Lost Second Edition, which is the idea that. You know how I said the the changeling. As you escape Arcadia, your your soul is torn apart. The little pieces of your soul that are left in the hedge become known as tokens, and that you can actually regain parts of your soul. Then, if you find these tokens, but other people, if they find the tokens, can also have glimpses into your mind and your dreams and your memories. Um, so the idea that parts of your life are things to be bartered with, like the memory of your first kiss is a thing you can barter. So then, you know, parts of your soul are now things that you want to claim because people are, you know, buying and selling bits of souls. Um, I quite like. Well, what you just said made me think of a Hellraiser. And if you if you saw the Cenobites as the Fae... Oh, the as, Cenobites as are so Fae. <laughs> as they say, you know, angels to some and demons to others. Yes, very much um, so. And how they they come after you if you owe them a debt. Um, or if they think you owe them a debt, and uh, just just how they operate, and and how in their world, you know, pleasure and pain, and you know, you you could use that as an as an element. You know, I I just think that's that's what if I was to liken Hellraiser to any White Wolf game, I, I would say it's Changeling. No, that's I can agree with that. I mean, they're a very good fit for also a very visceral representation of the the kind of rebirth. When, when you come back oh. from that world 
is very uh, possibly not the first thing you might think of in playing Changeling, but if you really wanted to do the horror thing and you wanted to make it that visceral and that graphic, it's 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 a very real rebirth, and you know, but often it can be sort of more metaphorical. But that's uh, I think really good sort of visually for me as as a big horror fan, and as uh, I'm not really a gore fan of, of modern gore, but I think Hellraiser is something that's always stuck with me, and even now I have to kind of look away when I watch certain scenes because it is so visceral to watch. Nice. But yeah, I do. I do think that's something that if you if you really wanted to freak your players out, you you could definitely do that and watch Hellraiser a few times and Hellraiser too, actually, because if you you watch them both together, to me, that's more of a full story. The puzzle box also fits into that because the puzzle box is you you're inadvertently calling to you the dingus, as you said. It, well, it's the I'm not, I'm not using the dingus as in it's something that's touched by the yeah. fact that you're using it. It's this inadvert- you're inadvertently gaining the attention of these eldritch entities. So yeah, that's exactly what happens in, in, in the movie. Because in, yeah. in Changing the Lost, you can do it by like the whole kind of like you know where you um uh what's the thing? There's the the rhyme uh, knife uh, where you drop the knife on the floor, gentleman calls, or mm-hmm. or these other little rhymes that all relate to how you gain the attention of the gentry. That's creepy and scary because again, it's like you you as a normal person think you've done nothing whatsoever, but by sheer chance and luck, which of course is the powers of the weird because it's about fate and destiny and luck, you've gained the attention whether you like it or not, of these entities. Yeah, I think in movies, you always see this kind of accidental invocation as things like, it is a literal invocation, you know, something that you accidentally read out loud from the Necronomicon or something like that. And um, that's that's perfectly valid and it works in, say, a horror movie setting. But if you think about sort of the purer horror of really not being able to avoid that like if you if you see like a creepy old book you know you'd probably know from watching so many horror movies that you're not supposed to read out loud from it or even read it at all but if it's something like you drop a knife on the floor at midnight on a certain date in a certain time you know a certain year and you're unlucky enough that that happens to you that's there's no way you could have avoided that and i think that's scarier that's scary and it's a lot more that fits again back to the more folk horror element. Yeah, because a lot of people aren't stupid enough to kind of, uh, you know, investigate things that they really don't understand that are quite frightening. Uh, But, you know, if it's something that's an everyday accident that you might have or something that you really can't control and the... The thing that the Fae have is that, that, you know, they've, they've, they've written or they've, they've surmised that it should be at this day, at this time, if someone does this then that's just it. And, it, you know, it's a shame for you that it's you. So, I know another film which is obvious that we have to mention, mm-hmm. and that is uh, Afraid of the Dark. Is Don't that... be afraid Don't of the be Dark. Afraid of I dark. knew you were going to say that. Um, so, yeah, that, that movie is, uh, well, the, the one I think we're talking about is the remake version uh, by Guillermo del Toro. That's the third film we've mentioned of his already in this. <laughs> is it? Yes. Really? Hellboy 2. Oh, right. And, and what else? Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, right, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, yeah, it's and, and that's about, you know, the tooth fairies, which are obviously not as friendly as they sound. And, um, 
yeah, there's there's a lot of kind of folk horror within that because the the sort of history of the horror of it is uh, basically, you know, an old Victorian house and things, and it's a very gothic house, and you know, it, it's about this guy who, you know, is giving sacrifices to the fae to kind of stop them from, you know, um, capturing him and and things like that, um, you know, uh, fairies that eat children's teeth, and you know, it's it's that kind of thing. Um, it's really interesting visually, and um, I think I don't think a lot of people liked that movie um, as one of Del Toro's movies. It's it's one of his weaker movies, but it's really not bad at all. And the uh, child actress in it, I, unfortunately, I don't know her name. She she's really good in it. Um, so uh, uh what's in it? It's uh, uh, Guy Pearce. Yeah. Yeah, Guy Pearce is in it, and um, what's it? Katie Holmes. Yeah. yeah. So that's very good. It's actually, yeah, it's a remake of an American um, sort of TV movie of the same name, uh, which is scary in different ways because that's kind of set um, at the time in the 70s uh, in a very, very modern apartment where this woman is still being attacked and plagued by these little creatures and, you know, nobody believes her. And you would think it's cozy. It wouldn't happen to you. Uh, so I think it's a completely different type of horror from when they do change it into a very typical haunted looking house. You know, you kind of expect things to be creepy there. Whereas if you're in your nice little apartment, you don't really expect the Fae to be after you. But they can come from anywhere, you know, and they're in in the crawl space, things like that. But that film also has some elements of like, again, like, uh, we're going to have all this assumes spoiler alerts in some respects. I mm-hmm. we have to say that if you're taken by these creatures you do end up changed uh and also that um there's some really good like background material in that film uh with how the um how the two fairies were like placated by mm-hmm. um the 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 time so it has again it works into that whole idea of like silver coins and teeth and and um to, to stave off their their predations on young children it's yeah it's messed up in in a, in a lot of ways and um again taps into that childhood fear that something's under the bed or in the air vents or or something like that any other suggestions james or any other things that you want to pick up about change and loss that you enjoy um so i i wanted to mention something that maybe people have seen recently as well which is um american gods Okay. Uh, as a a thing, a little bit like Changeling, because those are very much people who uh, in American Gods. I mean, especially if you've seen it on the on the TV, there people or on uh, Amazon Prime, isn't it? Um, all of these characters are people who have been kind of built for a purpose. They exist to do a thing. Um, you know, some of them exist to be tricksters. One of them exists to, you know, he exists to kill things. You know, he's a he was a god of um, uh, of death, and so you know he works as a at a slaughterhouse because that's kind of how he's embraced that. Like I think some of that um, some of that might be interesting with the way that changeling works because you are formed into things, and whether you try and rail against it or uh, accept it, it's interesting to see that way that plays out in um, in a character. Yeah, um, I uh, we haven't seen it. Um, but I've seen bits of it, and uh, I think, like visually, especially, it's very inspiring for things like Changeling. It's it's quite 
magnificent visually being a uh, Brian Fuller show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's left now because he's going to do uh, Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles, which is very exciting news for me, but we'll talk about that that's, another time. That's another day, <laughs> yeah. Um, though related is also the classic uh, Neverwhere. Yes. That's oh, yeah. Neil Gaiman. And Neverwhere, again, has that feeling of your life being taken from you and you having to redefine how you fit into the world. Uh, and and again, there's and things almost not... You know, how can I say like things being taken literally? So it is, it is he is Old Bailey. Uh, mm. It is the Knight's Bridge. Uh, it is the Angel Islington. Things like I mean, that. Door is called door. Door She's is called door. door. She op- and, and things like that. Um, and then then it also has characters like the the Marquis de Carabas, who is a, a character a, a character from uh, a, from. Nursery rhymes, poems. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, it's from Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots, yeah. Uh, so it, it it works like that. It it I really enjoy that kind of level of um, taking small things from from fe- rhymes and fairy tales, and they can become quite grand, and you build up a full character around them. And well, yeah, and it, it's got this whole other underground, what well, literally yeah. underground world in London. Um, that has its own rules and its own society, its own quirky characters, and uh, yeah, that that's that's kind of a I I don't know if I would say less of a horror element, but obviously it's kind of a dark comedy when you watch it. Yeah, there's a glamour element to it, of course, yeah. as well because you're not noticed by normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, can I think of other options? Well, the one thing we did mention we haven't spoken about yet is it as a creature. <laughs> as a film again it's children fighting a horrible entity but that that fear that children have and their fears being made real by something that's invading their nightmares is very much what the fae are about because they you know intrude upon your dreams and they use your dreams for their own nefarious needs and that's creepy enough its own right yeah well with most of most of the children in it having the their own sort of fear sequence that yeah. where where they're manipulated uh, by by it yeah um and you know that creates these kind of horrific visuals like you know they they're absolutely certain happening to them but then you know when an adult comes in they can't see it yes they can't see what's happened like the bathroom scene and um and also you know a, a very sort of you know, traditional kind of, you know, don't don't take candy from strangers type thing, which is a very fey thing too, about, you know, or the child catcher who takes you away, right? Yeah. Um, with the beginning with Georgie and his little boat. Yeah. And and him him talking to it in, in the drains and, you know, being sort of lured away. Um and well that not really lured away, but sort of lured into a sense of false security with this creature. And then just getting abducted, and I think that's a primal fear of everyone as a child, and um, possibly even as an adult. That 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 like a childhood fear sort of re, re- resurfacing. Yeah. And as an adult who has children, you know, it's a pervasive fear that kind of gets recycled as time goes on. Just the focus of the fear sort of changes. But mm. I think that's something that everybody fears is kind of an abduction of any kind not not just an abduction of something in an un- underworld 
that we really don't understand um you know and we can't go about sort of finding out where someone's gone missing you know at least if you have somebody go missing and there's a body found or whatever then that's kind of a closure for you but there is no closure with this type of thing so mm. i think that's the scary part of it any other comments james or ideas um oh goodness I'm at, I'm at the point where i'm trying to think of anything particularly uh particularly out there i feel like there is there some anime we've missed in all this because anime does because the reason i say anime is because and this is where I think it taps into something else though, oh. about the folklore element. I'll just continue this thought. You think about what you were about to say, James, because this uh, and you can because it'll tap into it. Is the Fae and creatures of the Fae don't obey the rules that you would normally do in a horror film? Because normally in a horror film, oh, there's something that's invading my house. Oh, there's something that's causing weird things to do. What do you normally? Oh, you call the priest, or or it's a ghost, or it's a it's a demon, and you do an exorcism and all that stuff. There are those creatures all follow generally in in those horror films no matter what they all follow very particular rules which are quite well known now the fae do have bands and they do have um banes and things but discovering those is very hard because again they've made certain in in a, in a fae creature and you as well as a changeling you make pledges to certain concepts ideas words things like that which constructs a a, a construct your identity yourself, and it has, and there are only particular ways that you therefore interact with the world, and that you can be harmed by the world. And finding those things out, it can be very, very difficult. And they don't follow the the kind of sense that we're kind of maybe that we know of in our world that you know you put down salt to keep ghosts out, or you put down. Or you hold a cross up and you do all this other stuff. Those those things, demons, like basically demons and, and ghosts, they all follow again rules, but they're really well known. The folk horror comes in that you don't know what these things, they're things that we've forgotten. We may have known back in the ancient times, but they're long gone. Mm -hmm. Because these creatures we've kind of and gods, these old gods that we've we've shunned from our world slowly. And while we are generally safe from them, they do sometimes intrude and we don't have the, the memories and the knowledge to to prevent them doing what they do. So James, going linking into what I was going to say about animes, that kind of fits with the idea of like Shinto gods, because again, you've got quite diverse little gods that mm -hmm. the Fae kind of used to were considered at one point, because like if you go back to the classic idea of fairies, we're actually the old Celtic gods. So this leads on quite well to one of the anime I was going to mention, which is called Mushi Shi. Okay. Um, and in it, uh, these these strange little god kind of creatures are um, they kind of exist uh, a whole load of kind of strange d diseases. Oh, that there are gods which are kind of diseases almost. They look like viruses floating around, and this guy can see them. Um, but that's the cause of a whole bunch of stuff. So, for example, there's someone who um, who gets uh, afflicted with this um, this kind of strange uh, curse because he happens to have been out in the cold and he stayed out too long, and from then on, it always snows on his house. Right, um, and you know their body starts getting colder and colder. Um, and there's all kinds of strange things like someone uh, someone falls into a into a strange kind of parallel world and the only um they they like 
talk to a creature in a well or something. Um, it's unfortunately it's been a little while since I've watched that one. Um, okay, but it's definitely uh, definitely worth a look at if you want to kind of have because it's that it's that giving kind of agency or life to the things that are happening around around you. Yeah. You know, people think this person is just getting cold because they're sick, but actually it's because they have, um, you know, they've got into contact with this living bit thing that was drawn to them for certain reasons. Um, the other two I'm going to mention, uh, now this is, this is spoiler territory for these two animes, but um, I want to make sure that's up front. There's uh, one called uh, Yuki Yuna is a Hero, um, and there's one called Puella Magi Madoka Magica. There right. Um, and I've had to read that, which is why my pronunciation is so so stilted. Um, but both of these have uh, have girls who are um, they encounter some creature which basically goes, "Hey, do you want to be a magical girl?" Do you want to have magical powers and fight monsters? Yeah, awesome. And they go into these kind of dreamy realities where they fight these creatures. Um, and it's a it's a cute little talking animal thing that offers them these powers. Um, but it turns out that these cute little animal things are actually like demons that are basically offering them the powers because they are taking something from them. Um, so it's that that kind of uh, getting into deals that you haven't uh, fully thought out, yeah, yeah, and also that kind of they're gifts with a price, and people mm. don't ask the price when someone offers something to you, um, and also you know you can't just like with a lot of uh, fairy tale stuff nowadays, you know, people say gnomes or pixies or fairies, and you go ah oh, Tinkerbell or garden gnomes. Um, or the Tooth Fairy, you know, she's got wings and she flitters around in a nice little dress. You don't get that kind of, uh, you don't get the side of it, which is more of the Guillermo del Toro side of it, where actually, you know, yes, it it's a thing that take, collects teeth because it eats them. Yeah. And if you don't leave it some, it will go and collect them itself. Um, the one, the, the creature that has a collection of baby's fingers or something like that, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's or or has a collection of like, uh, you know, it, nothing horrible, but you know, it's it's a bargain with it. It requires uh, a a hair a hair from a red-headed seventh son of a seventh son kind of scenario. That kind of weirdness. Um, yeah, and another one, <laughs> um, Gacha Man crowds. I'm right, um, which was a, uh, I think a. Because there was originally a Gatchaman, which was all of the, um, I think, bird-based space heroes or something. Yes. Uh, but Crowds is set in uh, in Japan. Um, these people get these little notebooks that they use to talk to other, but then they can transform into these um, these superheroes. But they uh, there's a, a layered reality kind of thing. Um, so they see more than other people. And that might be quite useful for um, the whole kind of changeling's perception. So these people can see the things that are going on and they uh, like these strange creatures causing trouble. Yeah. Um, and okay. stuff from that starts to leak over into the world. So there's a kind of meshing there. 
I was um, going to say the other one we've forgotten about completely in, in the world of anime is Spirited Away. It oh, totally fits yes. Changeling completely. Um, I don't think we need to say much more than it, it, it's a good fit for it. Um, also, most moving castle has some kind of visual elements that you can use, you know, like the fire that is a little creature, um, things like that. Uh, and the other thing I was going to uh, go on to and talk about is, and I'm kind of now kicking myself. I didn't buy it when I was in in the the uh, the the um, in W H Smith's the news agents the other day. Um, they had a copy of the the latest Fortean Times of all things is talking about modern fairies. Oh, and when you think about it, I I would say a modern something that fits a modern fairy in my is slender man what do you think sam uh i do agree yeah he just has that kind of again otherworldly eldritch kind of feel to him he he predict you know his predications are upon children mainly uh if you go with the original kind of like um creepypasta that written about him um and i think he's he just he has that kind of he just feels very fae like but in a modern incarnation and i could quite imagine that it you could quite easily create other entities that have that feel that but obviously you kind of change kind of the stylings of him so he's not like a person in a in a suit with without a face and tendrils um you would basically take a kingdom death one because he looks he looks more like a kind of feeization of slender man Big, yeah, you could go down the big that route, rough and the delicately embroidered uh, jacket and things. And that's 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 actually a very important point you've actually reminded me of. Is that fey creatures are often like the the interface between beauty and horror? Does that make sense? Sam? Yeah. Is there anything any other kind of things that you think modern wise that we could that tap that work with that beauty and horror merged together? Neon demon. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess you could go down that route of somehow creating a, a an entity that embodies that kind of um, those colours, that that idea of fashion, yet is somehow feasting upon people, or at least stealing people in order to to feast upon their their dreams, their ideas of of and their creativity. Um, yeah, um, we've talked about a lot about changeling ideas we can use for changeling obviously i think you know it's very creative game with how you can use the powers of the, the powers of your character to do things like james you did the whole thing like you were, your character was a was a, a mannequin kind of cloth based yeah, like a, like uh, a uh, dummy yeah and so you were able you, your thing was like strangling someone with their own clothes <laughs> um which was beautiful uh an, an ingenious <laughs> approach uh, and like Sam, you're playing like a, a siren uh, mm -hmm. kind of type character as a water elemental. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think when the new edition comes comes along finally in, in a hard copy, we'll have to re-examine re playing Changeling and, and uh, rebuild the characters ready for that. Because Venice is just perfect for that, and you know, is a beautiful juxtaposition of of ideas and, and things and of magic and of uh, folklore and and superstition. Um, is there any last things to say about Changing the Lost? Or uh, other films or media to inspire us? I don't us? think so, no. Uh, those were the ones that I wanted to mention. 
I think we've covered everything. Um, I, I can't think off the top of my head. I can't think of where else I would set changelings straight away if I was to pick a new city. I think it would work well in Versailles. Yeah, that's actually one of the settings that's in a Chronicles of Darkness uh, right, book. Dark, okay. It's in a Dark Heroes book, so it's something I need to delve yeah, back good. into and look at. The, the uh, water keeps failing, right? Yeah. Is that a thing? Like, um, you... it's not a th- no, it's not a thing, but it can. Be, it depends. Um, I was going to say because uh, I think we'd talked about it at some point when I was thinking about the Isle of Wight and maybe running one there, and it's quite... oh yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting because the Isle of Wight is a very, it's meant to be very dense for hauntings and like local, uh, local stock kind of legends and things, um, as well as it's always isolated and it feels a little bit out of time as well. So if you had a significant enough amount of changelings, sure, sure they operate in this way and they have all of these weird brands and none of the food seems to, like, I mean, I got Olympic branded uh olympic branded fizzy pop like a year after the olympics happened right yeah, yeah. and it, yeah, you know you. you just you fall into this weird kind of timeless thing and yeah you know that's that's quite quite interesting the the ways there are quite isolated there's an old i think there's an old rail route like rail beds that go around the island and basically if you're encircled with railway tracks yeah um you know, that keeps... It's a circle of protection against the Fae. Well, yeah, it's a circle it's a of iron. It's a circle of iron. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think there's definitely things like that, like timelessness, that feeling of isolation, um, that idea of interstitial terrain, terrain that isn't meant to, that isn't there on the map. Um, you know, because you go through like a little fairy circle and find yourself somewhere else. Um, the idea of like you know ancient stone circles and those kind of things um and there is even the like i mean i'm i'm thinking the isle of Wight again but you do have the festival which is like every now and again you know all of the fae that do live there throw off their um throw off their disguises for just just a week for yeah well yeah exactly that's like kind of what carnival's all about Hmm. i was going to say uh there's this interesting place in uh it's near here actually uh ilton okay and um shit <laughs> it, yeah it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's what's called in architecture it's a folly which is a building oh, yeah. constructed primarily for decoration but suggesting through its appearance some other purpose right uh so in ilton there's what they call a druid's temple and it's a replica of stonehenge built in about 1800 by william danby of nearby swinton park <laughs> Um, so he hired local men to construct a moderately large-scale replica of Stonehenge, and uh, the men were working at four shilling every day. This was during a time of high unemployment and agricultural depression, so he was kind of helping them out. Um, he did also try to hire a silent druidic hermit to fulfill a seven-year contract there. Um, so, um, yeah, no one really knows why he did this. Uh, but I think he was in league with some fae, and he was trying to appease them somehow. Or this is kind of a gate to the hedge, because yeah, it's it's very interesting. We haven't been there yet, but uh, it's not that far. It's uh, it's in North Yorkshire, so it's actually quite a nearby drive for us. So I will go and take pictures for everyone someday. Oh. But I just wanted to mention that place. There, there's a lot of weird places like that near here. If anyone else wants to go and visit, and they're nearby, it's near Harrogate. So just look it up. 
curious. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Victorians and their fey pacts, you know. Yes. Well, that's that kind of you know that occultism and tapping back yeah, into the, the old folklore. Yeah. And I think that's also something which I think um, thinking about Scarfolk, which is like you know a wonderful blog mm-hmm. of 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 uh, of um, folk horror of a form. The 70s films kind of, uh, with that new age revivalism, really mm-hmm. do tap into that folk horror, which I think Changeling can be about. Um, I think with also like visuals, like even though it doesn't really have, a fa- I, don't, I wouldn't say it has a fake creature, but like Don't Look Now. Yes. Is very fae-like as well. Like, because again, it's... With like an unreality. Because the film is juxtaposing the beauty of Venice with with the horror of with events grief, that have occurred yeah. and grief. Um, so films like that, like the the 70s is weird basically, mm-hmm. and it taps into all the wrong things and it makes me kind of uneasy, especially with those kids, the 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 um the government warning adverts about mm-hmm. like I am the 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 spirit of water, water yeah. and I'm gonna drown you and things and stuff like that. It's all a bit unsettling. Um but I think that is it. I think we've covered everything about why we like Changeling, what it does for us as a game, that uneasiness, that childhood kind of fears brought to the fore uh, about kind of the mixture of beauty and madness and magic and dealing with trauma and finding a new life and defining it for yourself. Um, is that it? Have we said uh, everything? Yeah, uh, uh, before we go, I did want to say that I, I did realize that before before anyone gets on at me about it, I was pronouncing Guillermo del Toro's name wrong. Oh, yeah. so, so basically, I was alternately reading off something and then I wasn't, my brain wasn't connected to my mouth. So before anyone yells at me for that, I do actually know how to say his name. Yeah, so. <laughs> happens. Don't worry about it. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, obviously, if people want to catch up with other stuff we're doing, uh, like I said, um, we've got the blog, which I need to update because I've not taken any pictures or painted any toy soldiers recently or done any wargaming. I've got a review to do of Necromunda, clearly. James, uh, please write some game reviews because obviously there's <laughs> games that you're playing. Please yeah. write them for the blog. Put them on there. Uh, people like to know a bit more about say Bloodborne. Obviously they mostly know but your insight into it would be great or some other great games that I just don't have time to play as well. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I've been looking at some stuff recently. I uh, I played through Little Nightmares recently, which is um, very interesting, creepy, frustrating as well. Um, oh, but yeah, okay. I'll um, I'll try and write some stuff up and get that on there. Uh, and then Sam? Uh, I've been doing my photography. I've uh, taken a short break at the moment because we've got uh, some crazy stuff going on with us. Uh, but uh, yeah, so my, uh, well, my my personal Instagram, which I post pictures of the cats on and stuff, that's at Sam Capral, so S-A-M-K-A-P-R-A-L. And uh, my photography, like art Instagram, is Sam Capral Photo. That's uh, F-O-T-O, photo. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be posting sort of my erotic horror art on there, I guess. That's how I would describe it. Um I've got a lot of other projects in mind. They're just on the back burner at the moment while I get some more uh, props and supplies for things and, you know, try and stop being so busy with other things in the meantime. But yeah, just kind of keep an eye on that for for more stuff from me and eventually some prints if I can get that sorted out, if anyone becomes interested in that kind of thing. So yeah, that's what's going on with me right now. Yeah. Um, And then I think at some point James will do another... Frequency shift to talk about 
more Kingdom Death because there's so much stuff coming out for that. Uh, maybe we can do a chat about some other wargaming stuff like Guild Ball or Necromunda because, like I say, you've played enough. I've played enough. Which will not include me. No, no, of course not. <laughs> um, but that's fine. It's fine. You know, uh, all things war people will try and talk about. Um, so, and as I said, the next episode, proper episode of this show, we will talk about, finally talk about Werewolf the Forsaken 2nd Edition as purely just an introduction to Werewolf, what we like about it, what we want to play. Clearly we'll tap into films like American Werewolf in London, like uh, Dog Company Soldiers, of Company of Wolves, uh, Late Phases, Ginger Snaps, all those things. Uh, and we will try and keep these shows again fairly regular. So I will try and get this another show out. We'll get another show out, main show out, in a month's time or so. Yeah. Uh, we'll see whether that go happens or not. Um, that's about it, really. So thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye bye. Goodbye. Bye.